you're listening to the sound of my voice. Hello, everybody. My name is D'Angelo Valentine, and you're listening to the Unplugged Podcast. And today, we have a very special episode where we're going to be talking about the history of Black people in Canada. And I have no other than a very personal, close friend of mine. He's like family. I have Gary James in the building, but everybody knows him as Pops all over the country. I'm glad to have him here on the podcast. So, Pops, tell me a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Thank you. What up? to you um so where do i start man um everyone knows me as pops from the barber shop so i've been a, a veteran barber in the game for uh you know over two decades uh spanning from nova scotia to uh toronto i've touched every province in the country with pop-up barber shops um but you know uh before i was known as a barber i was also known as a juno nominated hip-hop artist I had the opportunity to open up with Lauren Hill in multiple locations. My uh, most memorable location was definitely Massey Hall. Uh, other than that, most people know me from Trailer Park Boys as a Gemini award-winning actor. I was debuted in season three, The Microphone Assassin, and then I was offered the three-year contract that led me through season four, five, and six with Trailer Park Boys. And then after that, I left to do a feature film movie called Poor Boys Game with Danny Glover, Ross of Sutherland, Maestro Fresh West, Tanya Lee Williams, and the list goes on. With that recap, mm. now we're going to go back in time and talk about history. Mm-mm. Because here's the thing. There's a lot of people that don't know this, right? Right, right. I, I, I know a little bit about black history in Canada, mm-hmm. but you're the man who's 10 generations in in this country. Facts. Right? You're also now considered an indigenous black person. Mm. And... A lot of people. I've been indigenous, well, but they, they, been, they just, they're, they're, they're just, just now considering me indigenous. And then they actually coined the term BIPOC now for the last year. So, black yeah. indigenous person of color. I like, come on, man. Don't give me that title. Oh, boy. I mean, it's, if I want some government funding, I guess I got to go under BIPOC. That's what it's come down to. But oh, wow. if I'm 10th generation, I was born indigenous. They just now, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. They're just acknowledging They're just it because acknowledging of exactly. the heat that Canada's taking because yeah. of how they suppress the real true stories yeah. of Indigenous people. And when I yeah. say Indigenous, I know most of y'all are going to think about Aboriginals, Native, in the reserves, but Indigenous Black folk have existed in this country for more than 10 generations. I'm just telling you that my bloodline has came to this country 10 generations ago. But we about to go there. We about to talk about before the 10 generations. So... Where where, so where, it, where where do we start so at? So we got to break it down from the beginning. Like who from the are beginning. we? Who are we in the beginning? Because so because okay. here's the thing. Okay. I'll, I'll give you a quick synopsis. Yeah, I remember being in high school mm. and in the tenth grade in the province of Ontario. Yeah, you have to take history. So now, when Black History comes to roll around, the only two things that they talk about in Black History is slavery Mm. the underground railroad how blacks came to canada Mm -hmm. and then they only talk about the construction battalion number two in the first world war Mm -hmm. and even if we're lucky they will talk about how black people invented lacrosse and hockey that's Mm -hmm. if we're lucky and depending on who the the instructor is and the only thing when it comes to hockey you had to get that from an american source um hidden colors you can go watch hidden colors on youtube uh one of the most intricate black historical documentaries done by an American that traces the timeline and migrations of multiple migrations of Africans into America, South America, Canada. Um, 
Hidden Colors. And in Hidden Colors, they acknowledge as the black folk in Nova Scotia being the first people ever seen on the ice playing the game. And it wasn't even called hockey at the time, but the colonizers came, seen them, took it, called it hockey, and then they created their story. But in most of these situations, it's always the uh, the conqueror that tells the story. It's never the person who couldn't, absolutely, couldn't fight. Absolutely. Because you know there, there is a quote from, I believe it's Benjamin uh, Franklin. Um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, we rewrite history of the ones whom we conquered. Mm. And it's so interesting is that, are you getting the right history, especially if somebody has done certain things right. to make you change, like they basically change the whole narrative. Right. And we're seeing that today, but we'll, we'll get into that. But I've, I, I've seen how certain things are done today to change certain narratives to make us believe a certain thing. Mm -hmm. But I know you're here, you're going to break down some more history. Yeah, because even the, the hockey, like imagine 18... 94 to 1906. 1894 to 1906, there was an all-black hockey league that had 30 all-black teams, uniforms, names, stadiums, buses. No white people were in this league because black people weren't allowed to play. And the NHL did not exist. So there had to be an all-black league. And when these all-black players played their games, they would have exhibitions against white teams. And these players had to stay after the game so they didn't get stoned by the white community because they could not beat these black teams. So the fact that this league existed before the NHL and the NHL has never honored this black hockey league that existed before... They stole it, named it hockey. So when it comes to hockey, black people have been doing it in, in Scotia. But if you go black, go back or go black to the Egyptian hieroglyphics, you'll also notice some of the hieroglyphics have pictures of Africans with two sticks curled like a hockey stick, but they weren't on ice. So the origins of hockey and that game still comes from African People, African descent, and an African, an African starting point. So uh, it was just because now, let's go back into how Nova Scotia played that role. Because in Canadian history books, they say 1606 is the first time that a black person has came to this country, Canada. 1606, Matthew da Costa came to the shores of Nova Scotia to be an interpreter for France and the English and the Dutch and the Acadian and the native people. So all these treaties that they talk about at the beginning of history when Christopher Columbus came or the, the travelers came or the explorers came and they landed and found that land. How is it that the first documented black man is 1606, Matthew da Costa? Because when Matthew da Costa came, he came as an interpreter. But how could you be an interpreter for the native people if this is your first time here? You see what I'm saying? This is what they never talk about in the history books because they decided to document Matthew da Costa as the first black man because that was the first time that they needed a black man to do a business deal. If he was here before and he has a relationship with the natives and the indigenous people, the aboriginals, the Mi'kmaq and, and the native tribes, they weren't on reserves then. They were living off the land. They were living coastal. They were living 
in the teepees. They had their hunting tools. They had their societies. They had their communities. They, they knew the land. They lived off the land. It was their land. And then they say Matthew came as the first, but no, they had to acknowledge him because he had to be acknowledged in order to be able to negotiate between the British, the colonization, the slavery, the, the, the infiltrators. Because what my story is to tell you, he had to be here, let's say 10 years before. Think about 2021. How could you show up today and know the indigenous people's language, the syllables, the writing, um, you would have had to come here, live with them, live amongst them, eat their food, learn the language. And then who was it of the native tribes, the chiefs? Who was it that was the intellectual that was able to teach a French black man of African descent? So how much time? They say 1606, but it's like, how much time did he really spend there before he was actually documented as the first? So it shows you that they do things the way they want to. They tell our story the way he wants to. It's never been told from its organic, original state, and even me. Let's go deeper with Matthew DaCosta. Why was he here? 10 years, a decade, possibly before, 20 years before, 30 years before, 1606, because he was a Moor. The Moors are the ones that were the first explorers, first travelers, first navigators of the ocean, on their own ships, free black people. The Moors. Look up the Moors conquering Spain. Look at the Moors uh, as explorers. Look at Moorish laws. Look at uh, Moorish paintings. Look at the coat of arms in places like Spain and Italy, Sicily, Italy. Uh, the origin of the Moors in Sicily and how they conquered Sicily, which is now known as one of the most uh, profound areas of, of Italy for gangsters. And that is the story that usually is associated with Sicily, but a lot of the dishes and the foods and stuff are influenced by Moorish culture. So the Moors being on the shores of what we now call Canada, wasn't even called Canada. It wasn't even a country. It was called Kanata. Kanata is a native Aboriginal name. Um, as is Toronto, as is Mississauga, as is Etobicoke. If we pronounced all these names right, we would know that the origins of them are native. They respell and repronounce these names of indigenous communities, uh, tribes, to erase their history. And we already know how ugly the history in Canada is as far as erasing indigenous existence. Um, we're just now tapping in and tuning in and finding out to the savagery and, and, and the murderous, evil things that they've done to Native people, um, kidnapping them, murdering them, residential schools, torturing them, traumatizing them, kidnapping them to the point that they have never returned to their families or communities, and then burying them underneath the residential schools. And a year ago, uh, the country was turned upside down in Kamloops when they found 215 children buried underneath 
at residential school. So these playgrounds weren't playgrounds, they were torture grounds, killing grounds, sacrificial grounds to children. And the number is still rising there. And the number is still rising because the number now went from 215 to 6,509. Yeah. 6,509. Not 215, mm-hmm. 6,509. And counting. There's still over 100 more it's indigenous yep. residential schools to yep. uh, uh, what's the, uh, investigate. Um, so now, the indigenous people were here. The Moors came, but the Moors had a relationship with the indigenous people. We were friendly. We 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 traded goods, and we we like there was a relationship between the Africans and the natives. We didn't come. We didn't try to steal from them. We didn't try to rob them. We didn't try to conquer them. We had a relationship. Um, even me, being tenth generation Canadian, when when Africans migrated to Nova Scotia, they they taught. The Africans, how to survive off the land, how to hunt the bear, how to turn the hide into clothing. Because if you come from Africa, you won't be ready for a Canadian winter, Canadian storms. Uh, the wilderness is different. So if it wasn't for the aboriginals and the natives of this country, black people would have, African people, I'm sorry, because black is something that we were also called. We were never called ourselves black in Africa. We weren't. We were Moors, African, and Africa is even a name that was given. It wasn't Africa. So we have to use those terms now to identify a people or a culture, but Africa and black was not what we were referring to ourselves when we left the motherland. Yeah, and especially, like, just a side note, like I, I did the, the understanding of the English language mm. or anything that's under the Latin root. When mm-hmm. you talk about black, noir, negro, mm. right? It's always associated with something evil, Yes, right? And it's like, why were we called black? Mm. Or why were we called, I don't like you, I never like calling our own people nigger, mm. right? And then I looked at the history of the word nigger, mm. right? It wasn't even given to us. It was Facts. actually given to Irish people, Facts. right? And then it's like, okay, we were given that. Also, the other word, ghetto, ghetto was actually used for the Jewish people, and then it was given to us, right? Right. But we take this on, and we embrace that, and we think, oh, yeah, this is our word. This is our... I'm like, why are you embracing something where that's something as... It's a curse. Right. If I'm calling you that word, I'm cursing you. Yeah. Why am I cursing my brother? Facts. Right? And that's why, like, for us as... People, but they and, put a curse on our people. It's true. It, it, it's a, it was a four hundred yeah. year curse, and yeah. then after the curse was lifted, it became a physical bondage into a mental bondage. Yeah, physical yeah. slavery into mental slavery, yeah. and then yeah. even in the Revelations, there's a chapter that talks about a group of people that will suffer for four hundred years, and after that four hundred year period, they will inherit the earth. Yeah, who are they talking about? The lost tribes, the Israelites. It was like, it's, it's for you to do the research and yeah. do the question. And then you got to research that word, Akibulan. Akibulan is supposed to be the original name and term of Africa, the country, the continent, Akibulan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before it was even divided, because Egypt and, 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 and uh, East Africa, those were called the kingdom of Kush at them times. They, yeah. you see, and then they had to call it Sudan. Yeah. North Sudan, South Sudan, yeah. and then Egypt, and then Egypt. Why did they knock off the nose of the Sphinx? Because yeah. it took on the characteristics of the dark-skinned people. But if you yeah. push the dark-skinned people south yeah. 
and then the Arabs come because Arabs conquered yeah. Africa and invaded Africa before yeah. the Europeans did. Yeah. They don't tell us that. That's why yeah. Morocco and Egypt, they look like they come from an Arab country, whether yeah, it's Turkey, Iran, Iraq. Absolutely. We don't, I don't know which one to point the finger at, but yeah. the reason why they look Middle Eastern because they're the ones that came and invaded, pushed yeah. the dark-skinned people back. And if you go to Sudan right now, yeah. you can go on a YouTube documentary in Sudan yeah. right now, and there's over 40-something pyramids yeah. built with the same materials. Same exact the, the, materials. The Nile yeah. River doesn't flow south. The Nile River flows north from Sudan, yeah. north to Egypt. To Egypt. Yeah. So now it makes you wonder, how did those rocks get to Egypt if they never came from that region of Africa? It makes exactly. you wonder what these early Egyptians it, did to not only build the pyramids, yep. but to transport the rocks with the weight of them, yep. the size of them. Yep. How did they get them there? Because if yep. there's 44 pyramids in Sudan and they were never acknowledged, they don't acknowledge them because those are the characteristics of the people who built the original pyramids exactly. in Egypt. Exactly. Even um, one of my, my family members actually broke down some history. So mm. he took some history from the Bible. So in the book of Genesis, it talks about the story of Joseph. Mm. Um, and then he moves into Exodus and it's, he's talking about, um, it says, a new Pharaoh arose that didn't know Joseph. And I was like, okay, so what does that mean? I thought all the Egyptians were the same way. And then my mm. cousin actually broke it down and he said, no, at that time, the specific Egyptians that we refer to, the the, the ones that have that Sudan mm, descent, mm -hmm. were actually dominated by those Arab mm. that came in and took over Egypt. Mm -hmm. So if that, and, and I was like, oh, that makes sense now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was wondering, I'm like, oh, no wonder he didn't know Joe, because this guy's coming from a completely different region. Right. It, you know, and, and then now, you know, back to, you know, your point where we're talking about like regional areas and, and especially the continent of Africa mm. and stuff like that. It, it's so interesting how diverse the continent is. And I, I'm, I'm planning to go there very soon mm -hmm. and see some different parts Me of it. Me too. Ghana it, specifically. Ghana specifically. and Ashanti yeah. and in uh, Accra. But yeah. uh, Ghana is where I trace my roots from. Ghana. Yeah. Ashanti tribe, Ashanti tribe, then became the Jamaican Maroons. The Jamaican Maroons then were the first group of Africans to ever conquer the British during times of the yep. Middle Passage yep. and slavery. The Maroons were the only ones that conquered the British, signed a treaty, have their own constitution, their own heritage, their own culture, and yep. they're the own, only people in the entire Caribbean that are self-governed. They govern themselves, they have their own government, they have their own police. So if you go to Jamaica, the former Maroon villages are like a state within a state. The politicians, the police can't come on Maroon land yeah. unless they have permission from a colonel or a chief because yeah. they're sovereign. Yeah. Right. And it's because of the treaty that they signed with the yeah. British during the times of colonization. And yeah. then after they signed that treaty, they then sent those 600 Maroons. Mm -hmm. And then the second group of 600 directly to my village in Nova Scotia. And who was the captain of the ship of the Maroons that went to Nova Scotia? Montague James. What is my name? Gary James. So I'm a direct descendant of the captain of the Maroons that went and then was given a gold mine in Nova Scotia wow. called Montague Gold Mines. Now it's Montague Golf Course. Now it's Montague Estates. Wow. And that's named after Montague James. And then the plaque of him and his influence in Nova Scotia 
still stands to this day. So I come from a maroon side. And then on my mother's side are the loyalists. And the loyalists, they came in 1816, is when my great-great-great-grandfather came after he fought in the war of 1812. It would be the American Revolutionary War. Mm -hmm. So the war was 1812. They came to Nova Scotia in 1816. So that land grant that my great-great-great-grandfather was given in 1816 it's still in my family, and I just recently inherited that land that's been handed down through my family for those 10 generations. So it's crazy. But when it comes to the history, that's my individual history. Let's go back to the collective history and the Canadian history because they don't tell our stories properly. The Moors were here. The Moors were instrumental in doing these negotiations. But then you see when the negotiations happened and they no longer needed Matthew DaCosta, they then tried to imprison him because he was too powerful. They, they didn't like the fact that a black man was needed to negotiate uh, how could I say it? Because what people don't know before United States of America existed it was called the Republic of America and that was when it was under Moorish rule. There were already leadership. There was already black presidents. There was already black rulers. There was already black ran governments. All you got to do, I know y'all was like, what is this guy talking about? Just look up the Republic of America and Moorish laws that existed in the Republic of America. In order for them to change the laws and to control us with slavery, they had to erase our existence as free Moors, free people, free Africans in the Americas, South America. If you go to Ecuador, you're going to find existence of the Moors. If you go to, well, that's the reason why there were discoveries in, in the Mayans of African sculptures, um, tombs, uh, stone carvings, under the water, buried under the sand, under the ground. They, 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 they extracted these within the last five years and, 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 and it's, it's the proof of the existence of Africans in South America. We're not talking about the Mexicans, We're talking about the Mayans and the Moors, but for some reason, the true Egyptian story and the true Mayan story have been erased. We don't know who the Egyptians are originally, we don't know who the Mayans are, but all we know that they just vanished off the earth. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, like uh, like I was saying, we rewrite history of the ones whom we conquered, mm. and I was even doing some more research, so uh, back to like what I was talking about, like from a biblical perspective, mm. right? So your last name is James, mm -hmm. right? So there's the King James Bible. Yes. And it was so interesting because I didn't know King James was a black king. Mm-mm. I didn't know Talk until... To him, <laughs> Talk to him, B. Talk to him, B. People I just, need to hear this, bro. I, I, I was doing some research. It was King James. It had some other books in it, and then it had the Apocrypha, mm -mm. right? And I'm like, so you go up to the time to the Dark Ages where certain books were removed. Was, Why would, oh, you just said the, certain books were removed. Yeah. People, please, can you do some research on a book called the Maccabees? Yeah. The yeah. Maccabees. That, that was also one of the books that were removed. Right, mm, and it, it's it's so interesting because when I saw the picture, 
it's not like he looked mulatto and no, this is a black man. Mm-mm. You notice that all the pictures that they have of all yeah. the prophets, yeah, that they put yeah. on the Last Supper, that yeah. they repainted yeah. in the Bible, that, yeah. it, it, that they all have beards, yeah, they all have beards, and they, yeah. and, and, and 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 the characteristics were yeah. feet the the color of brass, yeah, yeah, and hair like wool, yeah. And if I look at you, yeah. your skin tone has the color of brass, yeah, and your beard. Is the texture like okay. wool? Yeah. So okay, go go on, go on, go on, yeah. go on. And then go I on, did some on. more, some more like uh, research. So um, a lot of people don't look at the Orthodox Church, Mm-mm. last tribes of Israel, last yeah. tribes of Israel. So especially, and I'm not talking about the Ethiopian Orthodox Mm-mm. because the Ethiopian it already has like their their relics and everything like that. Go to the Russian Orthodox, and uh, there's I can't remember which exact uh cathedral it is Mm -mm. but it's an old cathedral and they pulled out this painting Mm. and it was an apostle i think it was apostle paul Mm -hmm. and apostle paul was a black man with with, their original paintings yeah even in russia yeah the original faces are africans yeah you go to spain you go to these places yeah and the the coat of arms their flags yeah. Are Africans that look like us with big lips, Afros, the Afro picks. Yeah. yeah. Our women, our queens on pedestals. Like yeah. it, it, And and they're trying to erase that a bit of history. Well they did. And, they did. Yeah. It's only coming back around full circle because it, exactly. you can you can say something on your phone voice activation yeah. if you hear about it. Yeah. And then it's gonna pop up now. It's gonna pop up. And also and I'm speaking to our people as well. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, that really disturbed me, especially during the time of the killing of Ahmaud Aubrey, mm. George Floyd, and when they were saying, oh, white people, you need to learn our history. And I was saying, black people, we need to know our mm-hmm. own history. Mm-hmm. Right? And the thing is... The easiest we, way to hide the truth is to put it in a book, bro. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, I took the time to actually do some research myself. And because we always... And I'm speaking just in general. I'm not saying everybody, but it, we always look at from the start of slavery and mm. then onward. And I'm not saying that it's not a problem to look at how we overcame slavery and how we've done all these innovations to make us better. But there is actually one piece of history that we don't talk about that's still happening to this to this day: the Arab slave trade, mm. right? And I actually did some research. I can't remember the name of the gentleman. But um, so what happened is this is during the, the Arab slave trade. This young boy was taken out of Tanzania as a slave, mm. sold in India. And the thing is, in the Arab slave trade, it's a little bit different from the uh, transatlantic slave mm-hmm, trade, mm-hmm. right? Because the transatlantic slave trade is like, okay, to, in order for them to justify the treatment of somebody, mm-hmm. they have to bring down the worth of the person. But in the Arab slave trade, is a little bit different. You work your way to freedom, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like a debtor system. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this... Indebted servitude. Exactly. So what ended up happening is he worked his way to freedom and then he did this. He got to conquer a third of India. And how he did it is he actually put a sultan to run in... Like he was, used him as a puppet and ran a third of India and conquered India and then 
pushed the sultan aside and then did the full rule. And you know what? History repeats itself. So there's this gentleman by the name of is Robert F. Smith. So Robert F. Smith did the same sort of thing. He started working at Goldman Sachs, built up his money, walked away, I think it was like $100 million, and then poured that into his own venture capital mm-hmm. fund. Mm-hmm. He had a white guy or a Jewish guy uh, step front in the, in the front and ran, made, it, made it look like he was running the business. And then when the billions started coming, he pushed the guy aside and stepped forward. And then he pointed at everybody and said, ha, I'm here. Mm. You can't do anything about it. And we do the same thing in history. But the thing is, if we don't take the time to learn history, how, how are we going to... Even that, I'm standing here with y'all. And um, when it comes to him as a man, the first female black millionaire mm-hmm. in America, yeah. they just finally made the movie. They made it here in Ontario, Cambridge, yeah. Ontario. Yeah. Madam C.J. Walker. Yes. Madam C.J. Walker being the first female multimillionaire. Yes. She um, started her own product line, her own hair school, beautician, um, but people don't know, Viola Desmond, who is a Scotian, who was our first millionaire entrepreneur as an indigenous Scotian, she was not allowed to become a stylist or an entrepreneur or a beautician. They wouldn't let her go to... um, beauty school in Nova Scotia. So she left Nova Scotia to go to New York to be a student of Madam C.J. Walker. She's a product of Madam C.J. Walker and then when she came back to Nova Scotia, that's why she started the first hair salon, first school for stylists to learn the trade and become individual stylists and entrepreneurs. And when she, like she's on the $10 bill, she's being celebrated for her activism. But what people don't know, the reason why she's celebrated for the activism is because why she was an entrepreneur. Imagine a woman in the early 1900s driving around Nova Scotia, 40-something all-black communities, and she's driving around delivering those products from her brand, her line, individually in her own car, not with a courier or help. She was doing it on her own, but when she got to New Glasgow, Nova Scotia, her car broke down. So after her car broke down, she went to the local garage to get the car fixed, but she had some downtime. So while her car was getting fixed with the products in her trunk, she was getting her car serviced. She decided to go to the theater to watch a show. When she got to the show, because she was black, they told her that she can't sit downstairs. You have to sit upstairs on the balcony. They didn't know who Viola Desmond was. She refused to, so they still sold her the ticket. I think it might have been a four cents difference of the pay for the balcony to the floor seats. She refused to sit on the balcony, so Viola Desmond sat on the floor. She refused to leave the theater. Ten years before Rosa Parks refused to leave the bus, mind you. So in, in, in America, Rosa Parks sat on the bus. She's known to be the catalyst of the civil rights movement. Civil rights movement with Martin and Malcolm and all that came after Rosa Parks set it off with sitting on the bus. Then you got the Montgomery bus boycott. 
Then you got the marches, then you got the churches, and then you got them using the churches to let our people know in our community that we're going to create a movement. Martin and Malcolm did that with rotary phones, bro. Churches, pulpits, ministers, congregations, no Instagram, no social media, no cell phone, no smartphone, but they were able to make the minds of the masses come together and create a movement. Why we have no leaders of that magnitude to this day, why we can't do it when we got platforms the way we got when we have on social media and we have all these other avenues, they didn't have none of that and they were able to accomplish. So for me, I guess we're just built different. We're built, we're built different, but I, I came to the America side because of the Rosa Parks. Let me get back on this side of the border with uh, Viola Desmond. Because to me, she needs to be celebrated, yes, because of the activism and what she stood for because she refused to leave that theater and she stood her ground. They called the cops, they later took her, they put her in prison and then they gave her a fine for something that was four cents at the time. Like, so I don't know if she was jailed longer than overnight, but she was later than vindicated and honored and now she's on the $10 bill. But she didn't wake up that morning saying I'm going to become a symbol of activism. She just stood her ground because of the internal fortitude that she had and the pride that she had for who she was and what she was, what she's accomplished as an entrepreneur, female entrepreneur, as a black woman in a very racist province called Nova Scotia. Imagine even being a woman traveling with this type of money, this amount of products by yourself, no security, no bodyguard, and you're on these highways driving past Villages with crosses burning, KKK existing, um, institutionalized racism, Jim Crow. Like they try to pretend this only happened in Southern America, Northern America, American states. Nah, this was a story that happened in Canada. Um, Viola Desmond was our queen. Uh, she will always be our queen. And like I said, she, she's on the $10 bill, celebrated because of her activism. But she also needs to be celebrated because of her entrepreneurial accomplishments. The first black female millionaire, and she's a product of Madam C.J. Walker. Um, and to me, I, uh, I wear this shirt proudly because I feel like I'm following her blueprint with my own brand, my own product line, a barber. Um, I made these shirts so I could try to raise money so women could... Uh, open up their own individual salons because women have a problem um, getting startup funds to open up black-owned businesses. But I find that if uh, men start supporting our sisters more, then they can get more opportunities as well. Um, I got that from the tutelage of Viola Desmond. The first barber shop I ever worked at was 14 years old with Mark Adams, and that was on Goddickon Street in Halifax, Nova Scotia, one block away from where Viola Desmond's first salon was at. So I, uh, I will never let that legacy die. Shouts out to the Desmond family um, and her sister that's an ambassador for that who's been traveling from coast to coast celebrating the new $10 bill uh, of Viola Desmond. And then, uh, yeah, but when it comes to this Scotian history, like, we could talk about the Moors, they say in the Canadian history book, 1606, we just broken down why it's not 1606, because they were here long before, and even the Ming dynasty in China, they were here long before these colonizers came. 
Christopher Columbus came and he said he found this because he was lost. You can't find something and discover something and claim something that was already inhabited by a people. So for the curriculum to be written this way and for history to be still taught this way in schools across North America, in classrooms from all age groups and in universities and colleges is absolutely crazy. They got to strip down this history and rewrite these history books, rewrite this history because we're no longer a conquered people. Our history has manifested. What happens in the dark will manifest the light. And what happened to indigenous people happened in the dark and it's now coming to the light. So if we know that this happened to the indigenous natives and aboriginals and indigenous blacks and Africans. And the artifacts and the remnants still remain in the ground from when those buildings were made by those Africans. Then the archeologists and the scientists have scientifically proven, archeologically proven, that the remnants of Moors and Ming dynasties from China were there over a hundred years before Columbus even decided to leave the shore and get lost. So all this Columbus talk, you know, we got to get rid of it. It got to be stripped out of the books. We're not supposed to be honoring these men that scalped and gave blankets full of bugs and, and uh, smallpox and what they tried to do after the negotiations with Matthew DaCosta and he was moved out the way they then came after, and then every negotiation, they were trying to trade furs and stuff exactly. for blankets, but the blankets were yeah. riddled with diseases. With disease, And the thing is, it, what's so interesting... Genocide. It, what's so interesting is, like, especially with the Canada Day that just passed and everybody was saying, cancel Canada Day. I'm like, so what about the companies? I and mean, I'm not going to name mm. the names, but what about the companies that are standing today, these large corporations that, are stand, that have that evil history? On the backs of the indigenous. there is one... In particular, that a lot of people still shop at, right? Knowing right. the history of what they did to our indigenous people, I can't say it because they they're gonna cut they're gonna cut my feet. But <laughs> yeah, but see, like like check this out, bro. Yeah, check this out. And it's not to vindicate Bill Cosby. It's not to vindicate R. Kelly. It's not to vindicate. Um, these evil people that have recently multi-millionaires owners of corporations have been pulled into court and been charged for crimes against youth crimes against women uh, and they're being brought into court and penalized 30 years after the incidents happened Right? So if we know that the Catholic Church is responsible for residential schools and Pierre Trudeau was the prime minister and overseen with the government and the Catholic Church the resurrection of residential schools and specifically the Kamloops School, the prime minister and the government and the authorities and the police of them times all were okay kidnapping, kidnapping children from reserves, from their communities, stealing these children from kids, kidnapping them, taking them down the street, beating them so they would never want to learn their heritage, their history, their culture, their traditions, their connection to the land, their connection to the water, their connection to the moon, the earth, the air, the stars, putting them in 
a Eurocentric environment, indoctrinating them with Eurocentric views and values, stripping them and raping them to penalize them and punish them so they would never have the courage to want to learn about themselves. We know who's responsible for that. We know who's responsible for the murdering and the burying of all these indigenous children under all these schools. But yet no one wants to penalize them. No one wants to hold them accountable. These are supposed to be ministers, people of God that bring you closer to God, bring you and nourish your spirit, teach you the ways of, of, of Christ and, and religion. These are the people who did these heinous crimes and the ancestors of these people who started these crimes and the people who committed them are still alive. They're still alive right now. But no one's investigating to see which ones should be held accountable. And to me, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this. But if I did a crime and I committed a murder 30 years ago, the last residential school was, what, what, what was in 1996, bro. I was graduating from high school in 1996, bro. The last residential school was taken down and, and, and demolished in 1996. So we're not talking about no 100 years ago. No. Right? No. We're talking about a couple decades ago. And, and also on top of residential schools, mm. there was reserves Jesus. that were occupied by the military. Because ah. I can't remember which, which reserve it was, but it was occupied by the military. The tribe that had that mm. area that belonged to them yeah. fought for it. And the OPP came and opened fire on all of them. Yeah. And the thing is, because mass assassinations, and because that the military used that as testing grounds for uh, bombs, grenades, all that stuff like that. The drinking water, mm. you can't drink the water from there because of the contaminants that are in the soil. That's why they have these people called the water protectors. But the water protectors are fighting with their ancestors. Is fighting with with their traditions. What, what, what can they do to protect the water when you got government machines and tanks, AR-15s and multiple assault machine guns pointed at them by the RCMP and the police yeah. during these protests? So God be with the water protectors and the indigenous people and the chiefs and the tribes because, yo, we're here. And for me, I have to keep involving the natives and aboriginal history because my people... Yes, we're 10 generation, but we wouldn't have survived if it wasn't for them. But Africans and black people from my community have never been told that we owe them back. Yeah. They've never been told that the reason why we survived and stayed alive is because of them. They told us that our history started in slavery. Yeah. They don't let you know about our ancestors fought together because we both had the same oppressor. Absolutely. And also another thing, too, I'm going to skip a little bit ahead of uh, stuff that I know. Mm. So you've talked about the history before, mm. of the, like the first black people coming in and making communities, uh, building up with the natives, right? And the thing is, like, for me now coming in, because I'm a descendant of immigrants, mm. right? A lot of us don't even know that, let alone 
see, I, I tell a lot of people talking about the history, I always tell them about the history of black people in Canada, and I give them a quick synopsis. Right. I always talk about the indigenous blacks, mm. the blacks that came, uh, that were, uh, that were enslaved. Yeah. The ones that came from- Those under- were the refugees going- Yeah, up. the Underground Railroad, yeah. those that came from the Underground Railroad. So then you fast forward, I don't know so much about the history in between, but when you go up to the 1930s, mm. was called the Congolese Movement. Yes. The Congolese movement, so everywhere, so covering the entire GTA, mostly Toronto, the first set of Congolese came here, and they settled here, and mm-hmm. they were building up businesses, but they were being pushed around, kicked out, this and that, just because they were African. You fast forward a little bit more, then you have, I call it my era, so from the 1960s all the way to the 1990s, I call it the Caribbean movement, mm-hmm. or the Caribbean wave. So this is where my grandmother's generation was coming in. And my mm-hmm. grandmother came into this country. She technically came in here illegally mm-hmm. until it was Pierre Elliott Trudeau saying, okay, we're going to open up the, um, the border so that people can come here and have opportunities in Canada, right? A lot of people only focus on that era. And then there's another era that comes right after that era. And it's called the, the, uh, the refugee area that came with the Somalis, um, those who came from Djibouti, uh, Yemen, and stuff like that mm-hmm. when there was a time of war, mm-hmm. right? And then now, into the 2000s, now we have a lot of Nigerians, Ghanaians now coming in, yeah. and they're coming in here for business. Uh, but it's so much of, like, those are like short blips in history, but when you look at the, the history of indigenous black people, mm-hmm. look at how many hundreds of years that the suffering, the fighting just for me, for my era to come in and now be to have the opportunities that I have. Yeah. Right? And this is the things that, like, and I'm talking to everybody across the entire diaspora that's here, that you have to understand that there's somebody that came before that paved the way for you. Facts. And, like, we haven't even touched on, okay, uh, another black historic town, Dundas, Ontario. Yes. Nobody talks about Dundas. And, and the thing is, like, everybody thinks that's like a, a mile away. Dundas, Ontario is right outside of Hamilton. Yeah. But nobody talks about there's a historical church uh, that sits there uh, with a plaque uh, that talks about it. Guess what, though? I have to. I, you just said Dundas, Ontario, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you realize yeah. the first black church yeah. in Toronto yeah. is now where City Hall stands? Wow. Nathan Phillips Square, City Hall. And the road, the road that the church was on is the same road where Watu's and Garden is from Dundas Road. So for the last three decades of Toronto Nightlife, wow. all the people of Toronto Nightlife, all the Africans, Caribbeans, all migrated to um Watu's and Garden at on Dundas, the, the after hours Chinese restaurants. Wow. That side street where everybody congregated and parked their cars after hours for all those years was on the street of the existence of the first black church, but it was also a graveyard. So imagine City Hall being built on the grounds of the first black church, excavated, desecrated graveyards, and now City Hall now stands on that landmark but does not acknowledge that black church. Wow. And that's wow. in Toronto. That's right where we and at that, in our that, backyard. And, yeah, and that's just Toronto. And like a lot of things that we don't even acknowledge. Blue Mountain. Yes. Collingwood. Yep. That used to be a black settlement. That's why yep. you have certain rivers called Negro River. 
Yep. Every year, Martin Luther King Day, 5,000 black Americans migrate on a plane, by vehicle, cross the border like it's Underground Railroad, to come acknowledge Dr. King at Blue Mountain. Only time you'll ever see 5,000 black people on the slopes. Wow. Every grocery store, every restaurant, every hotel room, every cottage, every uh, Airbnb, every chalet is rented out by a black American because they know that that was a black settlement that was made by Americans that fleed to come here from slavery and, and got the land and created a community. And I can't remember the original name, but what is Collingwood now and Blue Mountain, that tourist area, used to be a black settlement. Again, desecrated graveyards, graveyards that existed. They dig up the tombstones, put them in a hole, and then they put their cottages and their homes over that area. And then there's documentaries that have been on TV in Canadian networks years ago of where these people who inhabited those homes have left and vacated those neighborhoods because they've been haunted by wow. the spirits of the people that they murdered and wow. the grave sites that they desecrated. This is Canadian history. This isn't like yep. something that happens south of the border, bro. Yep. Even me, like I am um, on one side, the father's side, James, direct descendant of the captain of the most militant tribe in the history of slavery and the only ones known to conquer the British are the Maroons signed the treaty and if you were a descendant of Maroon and you return back to Trelawney a Kampong town and have your last name on the treaty on the wall of the archives as a descendant you get to get land for free non-taxable for the rest of your life but how many of my Scotian relatives have migrated back to Jamaica to even find that they can build a house on the land for free tax-free, live, live amongst uh, the Maroons on, on land that is um, cultivated gardens, living off the, the yam, the dasheen, the, the, the aki tree. Like, you can live off the land in these villages to this day. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, the coffee is brewed there. Like, I can go on and on about the different things that is there that I got to experience and go back over the last 17 years and, 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 and learn. There is a cave in the mountains of Jamaica in a kampong town that if you go inside the cave and I was only allowed to go inside the cave because I carry the blood of a maroon if you go there as a tourist they might let you go to the cave but they don't let you go inside the cave because of the spiritual ancestral connection with the maroons and them being the only battalion ever attributed to conquering the British during times of colonization nobody else won bro the first freed people I believe with the Haitians with Tucson Overture but people don't know that the Jamaicans conquered the British before and the Jamaican Maroons also helped Tucson in the Haitian Revolution to put the puzzle pieces together and how respected these Maroons were when it came to battling the colonizers. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and also you bring up that point too because I know a lot of people who are of Jamaican descent, mm. but they're actually originally Haitian because of after the conquering, they moved to Jamaica mm. after that. But nobody really talks about No that. one's ever talked about nobody, them. Nobody things. talks about that, right? And um, it, it's so interesting that, you know, like, I'm glad you brought this up because, like, a lot of people are still not piecing how... Because the story has never it, been told. It's true. So if you never had the right true. oral historian... True. Or I've never had the right oral historian, yeah. and the Haitians are considered fourth world nation, 
I was always brought up telling that all poverty was third world nation. All Africa's impoverished. Third world, they always lie to us on the TV. Flies on the Ethiopians, East Africans. Poverty, poverty, poverty. They don't let us know that Nigeria could have 250 to 300 million people. That there's five cities in Africa that are bigger than Toronto with skyscrapers and highways and how developed Ghana is and how the economics are and how their economic development is going on in Africa. But Absolutely. In, in, in Haiti now, we were always, always, always indoctrinated with they're being cursed or whatever the deal was where the politicians sold their soul to give them this bad luck. I still don't know what, what the story is, but the Haitian story has not been told because what platform were they given to tell it? They kidnapped Aristide. There's that story that you could do research. But if third world nation was considered poor when we were growing up in Africa, Haiti is considered fourth world. So that is one of the poorest countries possibly in the world. So have they ever had a voice? Have they ever been able to tell this story? And if they were able to tell a story through their historians or their people, I wouldn't understand because I don't know French. So that story would have never made it to me. If you're Haiti, if you're Haitian, and you're, and, and you're in an impoverished country, you're worried about survival. You're not about worried about telling your story to the Western world. So now they might have graded to Montreal. But after you get to Montreal and you get to start anew, you're now in Canada with a Canadian curriculum and a French-Canadian curriculum. They're not going to tell your story for you. No, they're, not, they're definitely not going to tell the story about that, right? And then also uh, another thing that talked about the interconnectivity uh, with the islands. We also... Um, Do you know the Haiti and Dominican Republic is on the same landmass? Yeah, we, I, I knew that. So, but but here, here's what's even more interesting. Because the French, the French are very weird how they did their enslaving. Tell me very that. weird how they did their enslaving. Because the French colonized uh, what we now know as Haiti. Right. Right? But they also took the section of Louisiana as well. Right. But the thing is, they treated, the French treated the African slaves that went to Haiti really, really bad. Right. They destroyed the land. Sugar plantations, all everywhere. that stuff like that. Because now when you go to the land, you see how barren and how it's treated. But yes. then when you go right over to Dominican Republic, uh, it's flourishing. But uh, then when you go to. Think about what you just said, right? Yeah. Haiti. Yeah. Was fourth world nation. Yeah. Dominican's a tourist destination. Yeah. It's on the same island. Yeah. Now, Haiti, impoverished. Yeah. Natural disaster, a hurricane come and an earthquake come. Yeah. How is it that it only affected Haitians? How come it only affected the island and the landmass of Haiti? Yeah. Island of Haitia, Haiti and Dominican is, is just divided. Yeah. Haiti is a smaller part. Yep. But how come this earthquake and these yep. natural disasters didn't affect the Dominican yep. side the way it did the Haitian side? Yep. So they went from being fourth world to now getting an earthquake that leveled the country, demolished all the buildings. They were born with, with, with bad material yeah. because it was an impoverished country. Yeah. So they weren't using the regular brick and mortar. They were using what they could to build these one-story, two-story yep. buildings. When, you, when these natural disasters came in the last five years— yep. It further plummeted that country into poverty, mayhem, corruption. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so I totally like, see what you're saying. I don't know the yeah. story of Haiti when it comes to how, why. Yeah. And America's responsible for a lot of it, in my opinion. It, it is. But yeah. I just don't understand how they got away with it, man. It, and, and, it's and the strange. Dominicans don't like the Haitians. Yep. And the Haitians, because they're so impoverished, yeah. They try to get across the border yep. to make a living yep. so they can help their family that's impoverished in Haiti. And but thing, when you come yeah. across yep. the border to, to, to the Dominican, yep. they, 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 they put you on sugar plantations and then some of these people are working for like slave wages yep. to, to, to just give yep. back. So if, if you want to do the research on what I'm yep. talking about, all you need to do is look up the price of sugar. Yep. The price of sugar. Yep. I watched this documentary back in the day when you could rent a DVD from Blockbuster. Now, I don't know if it's available on YouTube, which I'm, I'm, I'm assuming and I'm praying that it is. The price of sugar. And I'm telling you right now, when you hear the history of Haiti, Dominican, I'll be honest with you, it's the first time I've ever watched a documentary and I cried because I couldn't believe that the conditions for the Haitian people was this bad and the relations between the Dominicans and the Haitians the way they you're on the same island and speak two complete different languages so you can't communicate with each other so I'll leave it at that that that's a part of history that 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 you know was never talked about and I only know so many Haitians so the Haitians that I met you know uh, they 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 don't tell the history the way that we talk about slavery. They don't, uh, you know, because it's painful. It's painful. And, and, and to me, if you came from tragedy and poverty, you don't want to be reminded about it. So I, I kind of think I understand, but I pray to this day to get the real original perspective of a Haitian on Haiti's situation, Haiti's current situation, Haiti's poverty and the lack of leadership amongst the people and the corruption that exists because it's happening as we speak, bro. Yeah, and, and the thing is, uh, uh, to also add to that too, like one thing is um, with Haitians, they have this this fighting spirit. Man, go to Montreal, I, you feel it, you, you see it. You feel it, man. Like you, you never- Like of rebellion and like- They, you know, they, ha they have an, un like they have the- the mode of being unstoppable, mm. you know, because they still have that, that spirit in them. And that, that's what makes them so unique. And like, that's why, like you see, like a lot of them, like the, when they come here, their resilience, their, yes. their, their matter of their, like the resilience. And of, then like, their pride for the Haitian cuisine. Exactly. And I was just like at the barbershop, I was like Haitian cuisine. I didn't know yeah. there was Haitian restaurants. They brought in yeah. the rice and the chicken yep. and, and the, uh, the, the, the pickles and, yep. I, yo, I had Haitian. I was like, yo, it's the, oh, the, it's the media done did the Haiti what they done did the Africa and all these yep. other places, yep. bro. Yeah, they only let you know what the conqueror wants you to know. They yep. never want you to know about the heritage and the spirit of these people and why it is, and that's why they were labeled yeah. the way they were. Yeah. There might be a certain evil. There is an evil that exists because you know, in some of the Catholic churches, mm -hmm. them. Sorry yeah. to mention it again, but they worship the dead. Yeah. There's renovations of churches in Toronto. That's why Church Street is called Church Street. And yeah. them Catholic churches all up and down Church Street. Yeah. $10 million renovations, gold ceilings, gold trim around the window, yeah. the stained glass. Yeah. 
And growing up Baptist, yeah. Yeah. I was told to follow Jesus. Jesus is God or Jesus is the Son of God, the Trinity, Father, mm -hmm. Son, the Holy Ghost. I didn't realize that Catholics worship Mary. Yeah. So, you know, what, if, if, if we wanted to get technical, technical and yeah. religious, we, I, I mean, you know, they say yeah. that there could be 680 different denominations of Christianity. There's yeah. Sunni, there's Shiite, there's, there's different types of, of Islam. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You came from a seventh day background. The yeah. Sabbath is on Saturday. Yeah. But that's something that I didn't know existed until I moved to Jamaica and lived there in exchange student programs six months. Yeah. I didn't know the seventh day was a thing. And then I was exposed to it. Yeah. But I was just like, wow, I was taught that Sunday was yeah. the day to go to church. But then I had to open my eyes because that's what we were told in Nova Scotia, yeah. in indigenous black communities. Yeah. Praise in Jesus. And, but in the Caribbean, it was seventh day. Yeah. So then I have to go now rediscover re yep. yep. how the yep. Caribbeans that we came from are, are, are seventh day, yep. but the ones who I'm, I'm with now in the last generations are Baptists. Yep. And then the Maroons, yep. they weren't religious. Yep. They were spiritual. Yep. So as an African descendant, yep. there's a lot of reasons for us to be confused. And if they yep. only tell you yep. that your origin started in slavery, yep. then why would you feel good about who you are and where you come from? It's, 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 it's a brain fart, bro. Mm -hmm. Because you want to be... But then you got the people, oh, I don't want to see no more slave movies. Listen, how come the Jewish children, yep. the Jewish community, never will ever let you forget what happened in the Holocaust? They will never stop indoctrinating their children with the tragedy and the horror associated with the Holocaust. Jews and the Jewish community in Toronto and other places around North America and around the world, on Saturday when they're not in public school, on Saturday they got to go to Jewish school to learn about the history of their, inherit of their heritage, their culture, and the Holocaust. They never let their children forget what they went through in the Holocaust. But we're told to never for remember, remember slavery. We're told that we have to forget to not harp on slavery no more, to not talk about slavery, stop making movies about slavery. How come you can't forgive what these colonizers and what the Europe people, European people did? And Europeans call themselves American. But you're not American. You came from Europe. And, and that's the thing. And, and it's Europeans it, that created and, America. It, exactly. And, and also to the point, too, of when they said, like, why do we keep remembering? But the thing is, we're still affected by the indoctrinated system. Post-traumatic stress disorder, but it can't apply to black people. We're not allowed to call ourselves depressed or yeah. suffer from anxiety well, or be traumatized from a history of us being... And, and also to add to that point, too, because there is a professor, her name is Dr. Joyce Guy. Mm. She actually made a diet... She she wrote up her thesis on a diagnosis called post-traumatic slave syndrome, Jeez, wow. which, which is basically the effects of, of depression, all these different things, outbursts of anger. Passed down through generations. Passed down through generations. And the thing is, what we're doing is more of a coping mechanism than de actually dealing uh, with the problem. Uh, right? So the thing is, and, and, and the thing is, when they keep telling us to forget, but the thing is, this is what the problem is, especially in our own community, is that if something tragic happens to us, we always have the notion of trying to sweep things under the rug instead of properly 
harnessing with it, dealing yeah. with it, and then overcoming it, right? And like you realize how huge what you're saying is, because yeah. right now, the depression and anxiety in our community, yeah. and the stigma attached to you, yeah. me, yeah. the lack of platform and dialogue around mental health, mental illness, depression, anxiety, uh, schizophrenia, bipolar, I don't know if those are all supposed to be a part of the same conversation, but when it comes to our community, none of those four things are talked about. Schizophrenia, bipolar, anxiety, and depression. Like, we wear a super cape when we wake up. Yeah. We, we, yeah. We, we don't even, because we don't have a platform or a voice to talk about it, we don't have the mechanisms to deal with it. And we cover it up, sweep it under the rug. Like you said, and I'm sorry to cut you off, so go in because I feel like where you're going, it needs to be heard from somebody. So, like, I, I feel yeah. like you need to touch yeah. on it yeah. because it's like, yeah, I'm going we, we, to touch on it because yeah. I, I have an episode where we, we went on a little bit more in depth, but I have to reiterate it to, to have people understand, especially in our community. So, there's also another one that you didn't mention. It's called uh, borderline personality uh, disorder, Gosh. which is. Along the same, it's in the same family as bipolar, but the thing is the, the, um, the actions happen a little bit more rapid. Mm. And, it, you know, a lot of people are, are prone to have it, and it can happen genetically. It, you can get it genetically, or you can uh, experience it because of a traumatic experience and stuff like that. And, and, and the thing is, especially with the system that we have here in Ontario, for me, actually seeing the system firsthand right mm -hmm. so when you get admitted into the hospital like cam h and places like that mm -hmm. right my brother you, yeah. and sister i guess i shouldn't say that but yeah. they, they they suffer from from that and they yeah yes so yeah. how the system will look at it because soon as they they see that you're black and you're in the system mm -hmm. they're going to treat you a lot differently compared to somebody who is of a different race uh perfect example um, so there was a, a guy in particular who was in the military who suffered from, I think it was like, the, I think it was the same thing, um, uh, borderline personality disorder, but then also he had a, a linked depression and then a substance induced psychosis because he was drinking. Mm -mm. So when he was there, he was put in because of his mood and behavior at the time. So there's different then sections. There's the medication. Yeah. And, 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 and then the substance abuse, how that could trigger yeah. That can Man, trigger a lot of different things. So geez. at the time when he was in there, so there's different sections of hospitals. So you have the uh, like the acute section and then there's like another section where it's a little bit more relaxed on the security. So you can walk in and out of the space. You can get a pass to actually go and walk out in the public, but you just have to make sure you're back by a certain time. Mm -hmm. So it's so interesting because the guy got the treatment of, okay, he got to get a pass. He got resources to go to a halfway house to pick himself up. But if it was a black person going through that same thing, no, they're going to be putting him in the acute section and have him strapped down to a bed, right? Mm -hmm. So this is the thing, especially with our community, is that um, because we see the, the mental health as such a taboo thing, and it's not just... The, the thing is, it, it's, it's not just um, something that we just look at as black people here. I'm talking about all over the diaspora. We always look at it as a taboo thing and we never address it uh, head on, mm -hmm. right? And I always talk about 
why it's important to address mental health um, and mental illness, especially in our community. And yeah. going to therapy is the most important. And the thing is, I tell people, therapy is not just like, okay, you sit down, you're talking with a therapist. That's it. There's different types of therapy. Like there's CBD, DBT, EMDR, all these different types of therapies that are out there that will help you to process these things. And the thing is, it doesn't cure you. It's not supposed to cure you. It's only a tool in the toolkit of healing, mm. right? To suppress your your. It is not really to suppress. It's because it, suppression is not a good thing. Oh, oh no! It, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what you have to, what it is, is so how you do it is like when you have a situation that flares up, you have the tools in your toolkit how to properly address the problem, because like say for example, like a woman who's gotten raped, right? But then she's gone through the therapy and all that stuff like that. She's done all these classes, all these, the counseling, all that stuff like that. But then what if she walked somewhere and that triggered her, right? Triggered that whole memory. What does she do in that moment, right? So she has the tools, to what to do to help herself work through that whole moment instead of just being like, freeze or something or act out or whatever whatnot because she recognizes that she's going through that whole thing Mm, mm, right mm, mm, mm. and and now when it comes to our community the more that we put that active uh actualization in in there the healthier we're going to become because you see and and we we definitely have a very big problem and you see Mental health and it's still not being addressed. Like it's not being addressed. Like I feel like this conversation, you, you yeah. like it should be on CP twenty four on mass <laughs> stages. But I don't know why. Yeah, they don't want us to know the truth about the pandemic, and they don't want us to know the truth about mental health. When the yeah. two biggest things that's holding back humanity right now. Yeah, like it, yeah. like like how come you could you could you could deal with the diagnosis and explain what you just explained and how many people that could help from just hearing what you just said and then when it comes to what we're living in and the day that we're living in how come I've never went on TV in the last 2 years during this pandemic pandemic scandemic whatever you guys believe we're not even going to get to the vax or the non-vax I'm just talking about God gave us an immune system God gave it to us. No matter what your race, religion is, every man, woman, and child has an immune system. In all of our lives, our immune system has fought off disease, fought off viruses, created antibodies, but all of a sudden our immune systems don't work no more. Our immune systems aren't reliable no more because of people like Bill Gates and Fauci. So these guys became the spokespeople to now uh, indoctrinate us, feed us what they do with media. But how come I've never heard a person on TV once yet talk about what we can get in the grocery store to build my immune system? CMOS or uh, turmeric or if it's cayenne pepper or if it's green, if it's avocado, if it's baby spinach, if it's, if it's, if it's, it's vitamin C from an orange, is it apple? Is it, is it like cherries, is it blueberries with antioxidants? How come I have never, to this day, two years in, I'm going on 21 months of losing a business. Every day told how many cases are up, how many cases are down, 
lockdown restrictions, what they're imposing, what they're not, what the mandate, passports, this, that, and the other. It affects us all every day, whatever, what, every corner of the planet, of the globe. Mental health affects us on every planet, every corner of the globe. I can't say every planet because we only know what's on this planet, but all across the planet. So that's, and that's why I'm bringing up this because you just did and broke down what no one gets the chance to hear about mental health. And yep, I'm yep. saying this because no one gets to hear yep. a perspective of someone that just wants to know what I can go get at, yep. a, at, at a market yep. from an Asian standpoint, an African standpoint, because yep. we all have our home remedies and our, uh, our nutritional... And, uh, and the uh, thing is, it, this, it, it, here, here's the way you have, you have to take it even a little bit further, mm. because like, I, I, and I totally get what you're saying, and I'm not disagreeing. Mm -hmm. It's like, but we have to take it a step even further, because... Mm -hmm. You know, eating the right foods and stuff like that is good. But the thing is, remember, we live in a society where it's dominated by certain corporations that check the food quality of certain things. And even if right? you eat an organic food, the, organic, it's, the it's food not is not organic. It's, it's not 100% How am I going to the grocery store and exactly. there's seedless grapes? A there, grape can't it, be seedless it, it, it and be organic. Be and then, okay, so another genetically modified food with a lot of people don't. And the don't government think, also, yeah. as you're saying that. Yeah. has ordained it or, or, or made it legal yeah. for grocery stores to say that it's organic yeah. and put it in the grocery store without yeah. it being nutritious or good yeah. for us. So even if you want to yeah. be a vegan yeah. or health, you, you, you can't you're win not, because you're what you're really getting winning. in the grocery store so is not is organic. This is also another thing too, So um, especially like yellow corn. Yellow mm. corn is gen genetically modified. Mm -hmm. Red corn, black corn, blue corn are real. And I'm just hearing about this right now for my first time. You see, like... Uh, so you see okay, what I'm so saying even about like, dialogue. Even like bananas. I love bananas. Right. But the thing is, bananas are genetically modified. Mm -hmm. They have big seeds that are big as marbles mm. that are packed inside the banana. Mm. It's impossible for you to eat the banana, just peel it and just eat it. Mm. Right? So like a lot of things like uh, seedless watermelon, all that stuff like that. All these things that we claim as healthy or you have that health food craze and right. stuff like that, you're not getting it to its full potential because one, it may not have been grown here. Right. It's transported. It's preserved a certain way, all that stuff like that. We're not getting it as a natural environment. Now, if you went back to where your family is settled in the maroons, right? right? right. You're getting the natural stuff. Plus, on top of bro, it, too. Because of what you just said yeah, with that, you know yeah. what? Like, bro, yeah. I grew up on... My, yeah. my grandfather is a farmer. My great-grandfather's a farmer. My great-great-grandfather's a farmer. Yeah. I went to the mountains of a kampong town with the maroons. Yeah. And yam and dashin. Like, I go into the gunja fields. Yeah. The reason why the guns is so flourishing because it's growing in the gardens with all the natural vegetation. Yeah. I didn't know that you go get a yam or a dashin, you take the, 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 the cutlass, yeah. the machete, you use it like a shovel, yeah. you, 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 dig you, you, you dig it up. Yeah. And when you dig it up, you cut 70% off of the vegetable and then you put it back into the ground and then it keeps regenerating yeah. and keeps growing back. Yeah. I didn't know. I, th I didn't know that, bro. Yep. I thought that was because here you, you, you go get an apple it falls off the tree or yeah. in Jamaica Aki it, it, it grows on the trees and then it falls but yeah. they'll tell you that when the Aki drop don't cook the Aki unless the Aki naturally opens on its own yeah. and if you cook the Aki you can die yeah. and, and, and that's why they say only witches know how to cook Aki yeah. that's where it comes from because yeah. it's in our 
genetics to way to yep. live off the land with the land yep. in coordination with the land so exactly and then uh, especially for like meat stuff too mm. right so i have to really break it down to a lot of people of um how to eat meat and dairy and stuff like mm. that and so here's the thing it's okay to have dairy it's okay to have meat but you have to have it the kosher way facts so what a lot of people don't know and i'm going back to the whole biblical thing so i actually did because we're talking about history but this needs to talk about because this is stripped out of our diet the dr sebi stuff that we're talking about right now exactly this is how it was when we were in the motherland exactly we lost all of this when we come all of that and slavery also stripped us of our yeah of our diet exactly obesity and cancer and prostate cancer and all of this stuff comes from the stuff that we consume in the grocery store that they told us that it was, was good for us and like especially like salt and all that stuff oh like, my so God. diabetes diabetes high blood aggressive. pressure all that stuff like that like prostate cancer like you mentioned women is ovarian cancer breast cancer all that stuff like that mm. is very common and also another one um lupus lupus is now killing more black women more than ever right especially like women that are aged from 30 to 45 it's killing more black women now than ever before right and it's because of diet so back to what i was saying talking about the kosher diet so what i mean by the kosher diet it's not just something that's just labeled as kosher and call it a day there's a whole process of how the meat is actually done so when the meat is is uh so it's only taken from clean animals as the bible would or the torah would uh label it as so the animal that would have the split hoof and choose the cut also, the bird of the air, it cannot be like a scavenger bird or anything like that. So turkey's fine, um, chicken is fine, but there's only certain parts of the body that have to be cut. So mm-hmm. if we're talking about like the beef and stuff like that, so you're not getting tenderloin, you're not getting sirloin, you're usually getting the, the, the cut from like the leg or the shoulder, especially where it has a bone. There has to be a bone with it. So the, 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 uh, after the slaughtering, the blood is drained out and then the meat is soaked in water. And then after that, after it's being soaked, it's covered, it's covered with kosher salt, right? And then that helps with the process to, to keep taking out the, um, the organisms, all the stuff in the rest of the blood that's still in the meat. Then they um, take it back to the basin with some fresh water, soak it out again, and then mm. prepare the meat, right? So kosher meat is always good. Um, also when it comes to dairy, it has to be fully like thoroughly inspected, right? So there can't be any blood in the milk. And and that's one of the things too, is that the reason why, um, especially with us as black people, we have problem with like lactose and all that stuff like that, because the processing with the cow, mind you, there's different breeds of cow, right? Mm -hmm. So the cow that that's in Africa, the cow that's in Jamaica, the cow that's in India mm. is completely diff- a different breed of cow c- uh, to here. Even right? the chicken that we're eating on these farms right now? Yeah. Bruh, I didn't know, I didn't know breed. until I went it's to a, Jamaica yeah. and actually got chicken from KFC. Yeah. And I f- tasted what yeah. our, our real what real chicken's supposed to taste it, like. Even, to taste even like, a yeah. restaurants over there, you could taste the difference. You bro. can taste it, exactly. So you're 100%, right? I t- so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So now you have that Right. Uh, and now, um, so there can't be any blood in the dairy. So they have to 
check that out. They have, they have to drain the pus. They have to take all of that stuff mm, out of there, mm, mm. right? So the whole process, and plus the milk can't be aged. And that's also another thing too, is like, especially like, I love, I'm a person that loves cheese. But the thing is- I can eat the cheese, it, but I can't drink the milk. Yeah. I stopped I, as a it, kid, so yeah. I became lactose intolerant. Yeah. But for some reason- I Even, can, even yeah. for me, I can't even do the milk here. Mm. I always do like almond milk. Yeah, me too. So, um, so when it comes to the type of food, so to know that something is kosher- so there's different symbols to identify that it is. Mm. So if you ever see uh, a product and it has a U with a circle around it, that means it's kosher. That's one symbol. There's another symbol where there's a star, like a five-pointed star with a K in it. That means it's kosher. There's another one that was, it's an oval and then it has the letter C-O-R and then a Hebrew inscription at the mm-hmm. bottom. It's kosher. So it's gone through that entire process mm. to make sure it's good. And a lot of people don't know that. Okay, let's take it even a step further of understanding kosher. So in Jewish households, um, they, they do it like this. Meat and dairy cannot be on the same table. It mm. cannot be on the same plate. Mm. It cannot even be used by the same utensils, cookware, all the stuff like that. Even in the oven, if you're cooking something with dairy, it, has to, it cannot be cooked at the same time as the meat. Uh. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. I didn't know this, yeah, bro. I love a, it, but very I didn't spiritual. know it. But the thing is, Africans have been doing this long before right. anybody else has been doing it, right? And even that, we're drinking it, these cow's milk it, from from these from this country. Yeah. And the more uh, uh, milk and stuff that we put in our body, it, it actually allows for disease to grow. And mucus and all that mucus stuff. Mucus and yeah. all these type yeah. of things. It grows from what's in, 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 in the dairy products. Yeah, exactly. Like if, if, you, if someone's suffering from something like pneumonia yeah and and it's one of the types of ammonia that can kill you yeah if you go drink a glass of milk not knowing the glass of milk is actually allowing the disease to grow inside your body because of what's in the milk bro exactly as opposed to the water or the ginger or something that would be naturally exactly out the earth so so back to my point talking about like how things are kept separate even down to the times that you eat it Mm. so some people would love to have like a cheeseburger that's a no-no Mm-mm. right so technically um so they'll have like a meat dish first or they'll have a dairy dish first and then they have to wait a certain amount of hours until that food has passed through the system mm-hmm. then they can consume the other one that's how far it goes mm. and i was like i said that's like that's crazy but then when you start putting at it and then you wonder why they're living so long they're living into the 90s the 100s mm. and i'm like Wait a minute. When you start doing the history for yourself, we were doing that before. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, because of how the transatlantic slave trade has done certain things, we're eating parts of the animal that are not good. Right. Right. Even though now we treat them as delicacies. So me coming from a mm-hmm. Jamaican background, mm-hmm. chicken foot soup, oxtail, all mm-hmm. that stuff like that. That's I ain't not, lying. The first it, time it, I did the chicken foot soup in Jamaica, yeah, I was in culture shock because we, we eat... You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I wasn't used to seeing the actual yeah. dirty foot yeah. floating in the yeah. soup. Yeah, so chicken right. foot. That's natural um, to a Jamaican beef, foot. Yeah. Beef, like the, the cow foot or goat yeah, head soup, bro. all that stuff like that. The, like, in the know, water, just marinating. Bro. Exactly. So we're not getting the good parts of the meat. Even though we treat it, it, it tastes good. Do you, it, do you know that it, in, in this country specifically, yeah. that um, butchers... Yeah. Used to always discard chicken wings as slave food yeah. and 
oxtails yep. as slave food because yep. that's not what they were allowed to sell in their meat markets. Yes. I'm talking about barrels and barrels yep. and barrels of yep. disregarded chicken wings and thrown to the animals or yep. to the slaves yep. as slave food. Yep. And what is now called a delicacy, oxtail yep. in Jamaican cuisine and chicken wings across every restaurant and bar around the world. There's not a menu you can't look at and there's chicken wings on that menu. But why? Because black people, African people found a way to season it and make it taste good. That, 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 what do they call it? Dry rub. Yeah, dry rub come from us. Yep. The, 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 the marinating of a meat, the, 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 the tenderized, the oxtail, slow cook it so it get cooked right. A oxtail, that was, that was slave food. Slave food is now the most expensive food because black people and Africans put a twist on it, bro. Like, that's to me, that's amazing. And then... And, uh, it might it, not be yeah, healthy for us. It might not be healthy. Because I, I don't want to yeah. contradict what you're saying. Yeah. But I'm saying, look at how great look, we are. Look at that. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, especially when we were talking about Haitian food. Haitian food now is considered, like, what? a big-time delicacy. And I ate it, bro. Yeah. I put it on my IG uh, channel, yeah. IGTV, because the Haitian... In Montreal, found out that I have never had or tasted it. A Haitian from New York City and Montreal met me in my shop after a day of making the Haitian food. And they brought it in the Tupperware dishes. And bruh, big up Haiti. That's all I'm going to say. Big up to all the Haitian yeah, people exactly. that are listening to the podcast. You got to hit up my man because if there's somebody out there in the six or in the country or in the world, like... Y'all need to tell your story, man. And I mean, we're trying to touch on certain things, but we don't got, we don't, we, we, we can't tap into the sources. So if, if, if y'all are out there, like y'all story needs to be told from y'all perspective. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm hoping y'all holler at my brother D'Angelo and this Unplug podcast, because I'm telling you, it's real. And listen to the, to the span of where this conversation has went from history to mental health, to mental illness, to physical health, to physical illness, to Dr. Sebi diets, to how you can rebuild your self-esteem, rebuild your body, get rid of uh, illnesses from a diet. Like Dr. Sebi has proved that cancer, AIDS, can be cured from a plant-based yeah. diet, bro. Yeah, it can all and be reversed. And this has not been talked about. Even diabetes too, because- Reversed uh, from a yeah. diet, brother. Especially to that point where you're talking about. So, like, right now, we're off of Spadina. Um, yeah, Chinatown. I, rem I remember uh, when I was always riding the Spadina streetcar, mm. there was an uh, ad. They don't put it up anymore. Mm. It was an ad. It was done by the study of University of Toronto. It was one of the, I think it was either Mount Sinai Hospital, because, like, University of Toronto is connected mm. to all the hospitals on mm -hmm. university. It says... Would you like to manage your diabetes naturally? It's a black woman who put that, wow. that study together, right? It, and I got an idea for you because of what you just said. Yeah. I know you're not finished. Yeah. Can you imagine yeah. if you had somebody from Ghana, Nigeria, Haiti, and Jamaica talk about the natural organic foods of their culture that has made those people so healthy and so vibrant as opposed to the Western world. Because I know about Jamaica because I've been to Jamaica. But imagine if you had Africans that live off the land, Caribbeans live off the land, 
tell us what the tradition and heritage really still is. Because if you go to, I don't know if it's the St. Lawrence market, I would highly doubt it, or if it's Kensington market, but I know that there's markets some places in this city that will still have those vegetables. So, because you're educating people right now. But if, they, if you educate someone and then they want to pursue it, they won't even know what the vegetable is called. They don't even know what type of market to get the vegetable. And then if they do get the vegetable, they don't know how to cook it right because they're going to strip it of the nutrients that it naturally has. So a plant-based yeah, diet yeah, is something yeah. you're about to expand on. Yeah. But yeah, and especially with, with that too because like I know a, f- a few people that went raw vegan. Woo. So not even cooking anything. Wow. But that's how we were naturally we naturally work, right? Facts. There's just certain things that you can just be a raw vegan and I wouldn't know the first vegetable to buy, bro. Yeah. And I used to think I was educated, bro. And I realized that I don't know nothing, bro. What I thought I knew is insignificant to make me a better person, a better man, a better business person. What I thought I knew, it might have got me this far, might have kept me out of jail, might have made me um, a survivor, might have allowed me to learn tactics of survival. But life ain't about survival. You're supposed to enjoy it. You're supposed to live it. How do you enjoy and live it with the wrong tools and the wrong nutrients in your body? Our bodies can't even perform properly and our brains can't perform properly and fight off with our immune system if we don't even put... It's just like a car, bro. You can go get a BMW right now. We can go get a Lexus. We can go get a Range. We can go get a Bugatti. But those cars don't run off of water. One runs off electricity, the Tesla. One runs off Supreme, the Range and the BM and the the Tercel and and, and the Honda and the Civics and the regular gas. Well, you can't use a Tesla method method for for the fuel of Honda or the Acura. You can't, you can't, Fuel the Tesla with the supreme gas of, of, of a Range Rover. So if God give us all immune systems and brains and bodies, you're letting our bodies run, wither, move slow, lose sleep. Brain can't function. Why? Because we ain't putting the right gas to make the engine move and work properly. And also another thing too. So there is proper nutrition, there's exercise, but then there's the quality of sleep. Jeez. Right. So, and, and here's also another thing too. Right. Um, this is one of the things that, especially in our Western society that we live in, we pride or we pride ourselves on this grind culture. And here's the thing: like, yes, grind, do your thing. You know, build your business, build your dream. But mm. you also have to think about it. There's the quality of sleep, right? And if you're not putting in your seven to nine hours of sleep, Mm-mm. right? It actually will weaken down your body because your body needs to properly recharge. Also, 100%. another thing too is that um, the quality of sleep also is affected by how dark your room is. So if you sleep in pitch black, you also sleep away from electronics. So I was told by this one guy who uh, has this uh, medical company, he said, you want to keep your electronics away from you Probably even keep them in the yeah, next room. I keep room, them in another room. I right? charge them when I go to bed. Yeah. They, I keep them on the charge. Yeah. I know people that had um, heart attacks because they never let the radiation 
from their phone ever leaves your side. And then they started getting yeah. insane migraines because they don't let the phone. Yeah. Like they sleep, the phone's their pillow, bro. So. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, too. So you got to make sure that you're sleeping in pitch darkness. Mm. So not just having like a sleep cover on, like a, like mm. a, a sleep mask. I mean, pitch black. So you got to make sure your windows are blacked out, no lights coming in. Mm. Pitch black. Because then with that, your body can produce proper serotonin mm. when you're in your REM sleep, your mm. rapid eye movement, mm. right? So if you're not doing that, then you're affecting the quality of the sleep. And you have a lot of people who are light sleepers, right? Mm. And the reason why is because you ha- you're they, still exposed to some light, yeah. right? So... There's that too. Um, another thing that's a sleep aid too. You can take some melatonin. Melatonin helps you fall asleep fast. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, scared of the of the of the other stuff though. Yeah, I'm trying to. I always try to stay natural. But yeah, like you, you can. Said, you can. There are yeah, because I know yeah. people that are insomnia. Yeah, suffer from insomnia. Yeah, and then the other one, they can only sleep at four hours. Yeah, increments. Like if it's four hour nap in the daytime. Yeah. Four hour after four hours, there's no chance of them falling back asleep. Yeah. So they yeah. can only do them four hour windows, and they don't go back to back. Yeah, yeah. Four hours here, four hours here. So there's corporate yeah. people I know that are multi-millionaires, yeah. but all their life they suffered from sleep deprivation. Yeah, it's because and they, they can't function properly. But the thing is, because they're go go go. That's yeah. the thing too. It's and like, their focus was money from the beginning. Yeah, exactly. And then they trained themselves to work under duress and without sleep, but they yeah. don't enjoy life. Yeah, they don't enjoy life because it's always a stress built up. And and that's also the, and then the that thing kills too. you yeah. in the long term yeah. too. Bro. That kills you big time in the long term because the best time. Um, your body repairs itself is when you're sleeping. Mm-mm. Like you have to have a hundred percent rest. I hope y'all's listening out there. How right. to recharge and digress? You gotta and recharge. Fall back, bro. Um, so another thing, there's like milk of magnesium, right? And also like uh, another thing too. Like a lot of people don't understand like elements. The certain elements are the the type of vitamins that you do mm. need in your body, right? Some of them we can't get with some of the the fruits and vegetables that we have here because of the modification. Mm-hmm. So there is the supplement form, but you can go to certain places that have it taken from its natural source, like subtracted from its natural source. Yeah. Um so you need magnesium in your body to help you sleep. You like in order for you to also get iron. Like a lot of people don't know what like they think mm-hmm. okay, this is iron, but then they think iron that you consume is totally different. It's the same iron. It's just, it's very small particles of yes, it, yes, right? Yes. Because like, so my belief system is like, okay, if man was taken from the dirt, the dirt has fiber and iron in it, right? So then when... when, when um, Common sense, they so it, common it, though, fam. Exactly, right? So when they tell you to have a plant-based diet, mm. you also look at the, the fiber, the type of soil that that plant was Facts. put in, right? Facts. So if that soil was properly nourished and all that stuff like that, it's much easier for that plant to absorb that fiber. So uh, like a fiber-enriched diet, so two two uh, foods that I always recommend if you want to have a fiber-enriched diet, Brussels sprouts, asparagus, and then avocado. Heavy in the fiber, mm. heavy in the fiber, but the quality of it can only be determined if the quality of the soil is good. Right, mm-hmm. and if men and women were taken from the soil, where the fiber we need to be feeding ourselves that the proper fiber. This is crazy. Yeah, you're telling me, bro. Uh, it it it's super important, man. It, it you know I know that we detracted and talked, but the thing is, but it's okay. But it's okay. Yeah, I was gonna say I know we plugged. Yeah, but yo, 
what I thought was going to be 30 minutes, so we going on two hours plus right yep, now. Yep. Is there a limit on time when yep, men's yeah, talking? Yeah, we're gonna put a <laughs> we're gonna put a cap on it. But we'll we're put gonna, a cap on it. But what yeah, it is after yeah. the people chime in, yep. and they listen and they tune yep. in, they're gonna want to pick away. Yep. So maybe I get to come back for a part two. Oh, we're gonna do a and part two. And then if two. we do the part two. We do it live stream. Yes. We could do it where there, where, where, where people could call in. Yes. And we do it um, with, with video. Absolutely. So this is literally like us reconnecting, establishing all the lost time yep. that we had for all these years. We reconnected. We touched yep. on some stuff that I ain't never talked about on air. This is maybe barbershop talk at the most because it's so, yep. a lot of it's controversial. A lot of people are scared to talk about yep. anything to do with the pandemic or health or mental health or any of that stuff. So that's why I'm so glad to be unplugged because I know that you was going to allow me to at least uh, touch on a couple of topics that we ain't going to hear nowhere else. But that's why, you know, I was going to try to bring a little bit of heat. Yeah. Because I never try to bite my tongue, but I know we got listeners of all ages and everything that they heard is going to be food for thought, food for their soul. Something yeah. that they can go Google. Because back in the days when we had the barbershop talk, any man could say what they want to say and not get questioned. Now we all got smartphones. Yeah. Your audience, whether it's elders or the youth, yeah. they got smartphones. So I'm praying that y'all go Google the Moors, yeah. Google the origins of, 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 of indigenous Africans in Nova Scotia, 10 generations, and, and the multiple migrations from the Maroons or the Loyalists after... Um, the American Revolutionary War, the Black Battalions, all the different things that we, even the origins of the, of African or Black communities in Ontario, like we don't need to go across the border. Our story, the fact that slaves were sold in Canada, at, at off the coast of Nova Scotia, at, at the Marcus Garvey came in um, 1937. Imagine that one of the stops of Marcus Garvey was in my hometown, 1937. So here's some other research. In 1937, when he came to the shores of Halifax and docked Black Star Line of ship at the same spot in Halifax Harbor where the Jamaican Maroons came in 1796. 1937, he followed that route and came to uplift my people of my community in the Preston Township. 1937, he said a speech, and in that speech, the most quotable slogan from that speech that he wrote for my people in Nova Scotia was to emancipate yourself from mental slavery because it's only you that can free your mind. That ended up being the lyrics to Redemption Song with Bob Marley. Emancipate yourself from mental slavery. It's only you that can free your mind. So Bob Marley's most famous, most notable track of his career was inspired by the speech that Marcus Garvey wrote to uplift the indigenous black people of my community in Nova Scotia. And after the politicians and the government set my people against Marcus Garvey in 1937 as a radical, don't listen to him because he didn't want my community to be uplifted or to be awoken or to be prideful of the history and the message that Marcus Garvey was saying to the people about returning to Africa. Africa was the place that we needed to go to embody our true culture, to embody our, our spirit, our real way of life, because on this side of the world, we're never going to be who we're going to be because we always will have an oppressor that stops us. So Marcus Garvey is one of the biggest abolitionists ever to live. 
even knew that Nova Scotia had to be a stop, but when he sent my community against him, Marcus Garvey even got fed up with the attitude of the ignorant people listening to the oppressor tell them that Marcus Garvey was bad for them. He went to another part of Nova Scotia called Cape Breton. Cape Breton is, is known for its uh, black communities and the first black church, one of the oldest organizations that was started by Marcus Garvey, UNIA, and the AUBA, African United Baptist Association, was started by Marcus Garvey. That is the same association that governs the black churches to this day, to this day in Nova Scotia. So Marcus Garvey is an integral part of my community, but we don't honor him the way that we should. And now the Coast Guard College, the Coast Guard College, the Coast Guard of Canada, if you wanna become a Coast Guard agent or officer, you gotta go to this college, but it's built on Marcus Garvey's 300 acres. Marcus Garvey's land is not acknowledged because when Marcus Garvey left Nova Scotia, he then went to England. When he was in England and he was hospitalized from a heart attack, they put on the front page of the paper, black abolitionist Marcus Garvey dies from a heart attack. Why he was still alive. He came out of his paper, out of the hospital, picked up the newspaper, saw that they were celebrating his death on the front page, and that's what caused the other heart attack that actually killed him. So Marcus Garvey actually never made it back to Africa. And that's what his movement was about. Returning to Africa and making black people in America, Canada, and the diaspora return to Africa because that's where we were stolen. When it comes to our history, we take on the role of where the slave ship dropped us off but we forget that the slave ships all left the same place. So if you're from St. Lucia, you're from Guyana, you're from Barbados, you're from Turks and Caicos, you're from Jamaica, you're from Trinidad and Tobago, I don't care what island you're from, you're from Haiti, think about what I'm saying to you. Haitians have Haitian culture. St. Lucians have St. Lucian culture. Trinidad has Trinidadian culture. Whether it's carnival or what have you. Jamaicans have Jamaican culture, but we've taken on the heritage and the culture of the country that we came up in, but we forgot about where we came from. And that's what they use to divide us to this day. 476,000 people of African descent in Toronto, but we can't have a leader because nobody wants to get led by somebody else from another island because of the pride of the island that they come from. A Jamaican don't want to be led by a, by a, a St. Lucian. A St. Lucian don't want to be led by an Antiguan. A Caribbean doesn't want to be led by an African. And no African or Caribbean wants to be led by a Canadian because I'm Canadian, so therefore I have no connection to history or indigenous stories or the roots of Africa. So why would they listen to me, Pops? the man who aspires to be the savior of our people, of my race, of my heritage and my culture. I took 20-something years to learn history from the people that knew the oral history, not from a textbook. I want to get that clear. I studied it from my elders and historians. I've never learned my history from a textbook that has never been the source because that source has been tainted and rewritten 
and told to diminish the power of the leaders of my ancestry and the tribes that I came from. So if I was to, to tap into the source, that's why I never would go to university to study history. I don't care what they have in the textbooks. I don't care what they have to say. Then, now, or in the future, unless it's rewritten, because they never told the truth of our people. And that's why I have to say that, because there's no more Marcuses, there's no more Malcolms, there's no more Martins, and there can be. Because if a movement is led by one man, in order to stop the movement, all you got to do is assassinate the leader. If, 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 if a movement is embraced by all of us and we could find a way to create economic development like Black Wall Street amongst our people and small businesses and entrepreneurship and our arts and our music and our stories and, and our writers, our painters, then we, we, we can get to where we need to go because we are who our ancestors prayed for. But in order to do that, we, we, we need to understand the significance of our story and the origins of our story. So remembering where you came from is significant in order to go to where we need to go. If you don't know your history, you're not going to understand where you're at. And if you don't understand where you're at, you'll have no idea on where you need to go. But Martin and Malcolm Marcus, they did it by land by water, by voice, by word of mouth. They didn't have Instagram. They didn't have MySpace. They didn't have WhatsApp. They didn't have Facebook. But yet, each and every individual on this planet now has access to 100,000 people, 100,000 followers, or your post could be shared by another 1,000 people. Tomorrow, everybody can know about Plugged. It could spread. But in order for it to spread, everybody got to believe and everybody got to empower, everybody got to support. This conversation is, 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 is needed. Um, this is only part one. I'm, I mean, I'm here and I'm plugged in. We're live in my dope team with my brother, Matthew Romeo. Shouts out to DJ Romeo for allowing us to be here at, at my dope team studios, the media room. I'm here live with D'Angelo Valentine, on plug, on time, all the time. You know what I mean? So Toronto, Canada, America, the world. Pops from the barbershop. I'm more than a barber. They call me father to the game, baby. It's for a reason. I wasn't given the name. I earned this joint. One love to all of y'all, man. Shouts out to D'Angelo Valentine. Props and love to the man. You already know what it is, but uh, you know, we went, we went <laughs> probably well over the time we were supposed to go. You know what I mean? I don't that's, know. That's completely fine. No, that's, that's okay, completely. Dope. No, I, li I like how you did that closing monologue there. It was, it was perfect just to sum it up. Mm. But you got to tell people how they can get in contact with you, what's your Instagram or whatever, so that they can get a hold of you to, right. to know a little bit more about yourself and get some more history. If you want to get a cut by Toronto Celebrity Bobble, you know what I'm saying? Hit me up on the business Instagram. Pops, P-O-P-Z, Barbershop. If you want to get at me and interact with me on a personal level, you got to add me and then I'll filter you. You know what I'm saying? If you want to get in my personal space online, Pops from the Barbershop. P-O-P-Z from the Barbershop. 
All right, so that's Pops, but what about me? Chase, where are we going to get at you, oh, D? D'Angelo Valentine. Jeez. All right, so if it's the first time that you're listening to this, I want you to follow me either on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any podcast platform that is available to you. I know those in the Caribbean don't have access to Spotify, but if you look up UNPLGD, Unplugged Podcast, you'll find me there. Follow me there so you can get more updates on the episodes. If you want to know a little bit about me in the YouTube space, you can, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, A-F-T-R-D-R-K. That spells After Dark. After Dark, where we talk about the beard stuff, the all black. Hey, let's not forget about the all black. I'm all black everything, every day, every single day of the week. But you want to take it even a step further. You want to see me on Instagram doing all the different stuff that I'm doing on Instagram. Follow me there. D.A-F-T-R-D-R-K. D.AfterDark. Thank you so much for listening. My name is D'Angelo Valentine. Peace.